the Lord is good to me, and so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need, the sun and rain and a podcast seed. Yes, he's <laughs> been good to me. <laughs> podcast seed. Yeah. Tiny little podcast seed. Jo- Johnny podcast seed. <laughs> Going across this great nation. Uh, tell people to rate and review on iTunes if they like the show. <laughs> Which you should do, by the way. We've never said that. True, But true. Uh, if you like the show, you could rate and review it on iTunes and plant a little podcast seed of your own. Use coupon code podcast seed. <laughs> I don't know. any Anything to not talk about this movie. <laughs> everybody and welcome to me mom and the mouse a podcast about the joy of watching cartoons with your family <laughs> we're watching every film in the disney animated canon and talking about let me lay it out for you how it was made what it means and why we love it or don't <laughs> my name is isaac coleman and i am joined as always by my mother rue coleman hello how are you doing today mom i'm doing okay been a busy morning but otherwise doing all right Cool. I can't take it anymore. (laughs) Because this week on the program, we are continuing the wartime era, a.k.a. Shorts Hell. Yeah. With 1948's Melody Time, directed by Jack Kinney, Clyde Geronimi, Hamilton Luska, and Wilfred Jackson. Mom, what does this movie mean to you? It's a bit forgettable, for one thing, Um, but I can't remember if I've ever seen the whole thing at once before, actually. Speaking of forgettable, though I know I had at least seen all or most of the bits, usually as part of different specials. A bunch of the shorts were actually released individually, so I probably saw several on Wonderful World of Disney or one of its iterations. Mm -hmm. The trees segment was the only one that I'm not sure I remembered at all, but... That could just be because it is the most forgettable of this forgettable set. It's basically another contemporary version of Fantasia, Make My Music 2. Yes, it's a bargain bin version of Make My Music, which is already bargain bin Fantasia. Yeah. It's really... I I don't believe I had ever seen this movie before. I thought I might have, but looking it up, it hasn't been released on home video many times. It's true. So it's totally possible that just, like, nobody in our family ever owned this. Because among, you know, the the availability, why would you? Like, this is not (laughs) what people are looking to, like, oh, I gotta get this for the collection, I think. Unless you are truly a completionist. Yeah. Um, I was familiar with Johnny Appleseed and uh, Pecos Bill, uh-huh. I think. I For sure, Johnny Appleseed. Pretty sure I've seen Pecos Bill. As you say, and as we talked about last week, a lot of these shorts went on to have bigger lives. In fact, that's part of the reason <laughs> that, you know, movies like this and the last one were released, is like, which segments hit and they were watching the reviews very closely. And to jump ahead into the like context section a little bit, the Pecos Bill and, and Johnny Appleseed segments were by far the most popular. So they were like, great, you know, we'll release those in theaters several more times and we'll put them on home video. Yeah. There was this collection I've definitely seen that you and I were talking about that was like the American Heroes collection I or it's whatever. it's called American Legends. American Legends. Yeah. That had uh, the great John Henry short and several other good ones. 
and uh and also Johnny Appleseed. Uh-huh. Which is fine. Um and you know, it's just I really can't take it anymore. <laughs> the, the wartime era. <laughs> Almost done. Almost done. I entered the wartime era and I was like, you know, people don't talk about these movies. And they're so dismissive of them. And we're going to come in and we're going to, you know, try to have a much more positive perspective. Yay. We like a lot of these shorts. Uh-huh. And we're going to try to really give these movies their due. And I, I feel like we've done that as much as we could. <laughs> we did that with like Saludos Amigos and Three Caballeros. And definitely yeah. Make My Music is one that I would love to re-enter the conversation and re-enter Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. But the last one I did not like. And, and this one really is... This is the worst. This is the worst movie we've watched so far, in my opinion. And it's probably going to hold that title for a while until we like get into the bronze era and have to watch like Fox and the Hound and Black Cauldron. Yeah, it's I really didn't enjoy this. And I like the thing that I feel like we're realizing as we go through this series is where it's like, you know, we look ahead at the next movie and we're like, oh, these two shorts are really good. So I'm sure the movie will be fun. Hey, you know why we only know those two shorts? Because the rest of them <laughs> suck. The rest of them are awful garbage. <laughs> I This movie definitely feels so much like a dumping ground. Right. We've got a couple of bits that we were considering doing for a new Fantasia release or, you know, yep. some some stuff that, you know, either didn't make it into Three Caballeros or we were maybe going to potentially make a, a third Latin American picture and that didn't come through and what bits and bobs we got lying around on the floor let's just jam them in together do kind of a musical uh framing device overlay for all of them and shove it out there into the world (laughs) it really is it's exactly what we talked about last week where walt was just like our studio has one purpose and that's keep the debt low enough not even clear the deck because we're not doing that but keep it low enough that we don't get shut down and we can keep making cinderella which he thought would save the studio and which basically did Mm -hmm. you know we'll talk about that in a a couple episodes we're so close mom to getting to watch an actual movie again yeah not whatever this (laughs) is just again as you say these stapled together deleted scenes from other (laughs) movies and stuff um and that is you know that basically is the context for this movie if you've been listening to the wartime era so far nothing here will surprise you disney was in debt at this point cinderella has been chosen as the next movie treatments were drawn up for it peter pan and alice in wonderland Mm -hmm. and obviously those later two films would get made but disney was like cinderella's gonna be the next one this is i think the the one that's gonna be a big hit and the one i want to work on Mm -hmm. and he moved all of the top tier animators and like like directors over to that and many of the people who worked on this movie also worked on cinderella but it was like this is in your off day you can make this thing (laughs) and walt himself had very little involvement in this movie Mm -hmm. unlike a lot of the other films we've talked about which really were led by him this one he just to the animators he was mostly like Come up with some ideas, anything, as you say, reuse as much of old stuff lying around that we can, half-finished animation projects, yeah, and just, you know, put it in theaters and hope that it makes any money at all, <laughs> while all of the people who are actually... I, I, I'm being dismissive to say that, like, all the people who are actually good were working on Cinderella, but that right. is, you know, that's where the majority of resources are going. That's where Disney's A-team went. That was totally the focus at this time. 
And this feels like exactly what it is. I mean, this is a movie that was pooped out to make money. It has none of the Disney magic for me. Even the last one wasn't very good, but it still felt of a piece with these other movies. Like, Bongo is boring, but it's like, you know, okay, but this is a Dumbo-esque story. Yeah. This feels like it it may have been a labor of love for somebody. (laughs) This doesn't feel like that at all. This, to me, just feels totally soulless. And as for the movie itself, it did pretty well. It cost $1.5 million to make, and it made $2.5 million-ish. Uh, it was fairly well-reviewed at the time, but people were like, you know, a lot of these shorts are bad. Mm-hmm. They talk about, the obviously, the two that stand out. Yeah. People also really liked uh, Little Toot. Yes, that one was apparently very popular. And weirdly, the Blame It on the Samba segment has kind of become a like minor cult classic uh-huh. there's a lot of people who really like that segment and feel yeah. like it's the best of the latin american segments hmm. interesting it's not very well thought of today mm-hmm. but weirdly a lot of people will kind of go to bat for oh you know well all the package films are bad but this is the best of them i disagree <laughs> Uh, very much, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not entirely sure why that opinion is out there. Another thing that I want to know more about and couldn't, um, so Ken Darby did the music for this movie, uh-huh. did the music for a lot of movies at this time, most notably uh, a little film called The Wizard of Oz. Nice. Which, uh, I don't know, some people may have heard of. Also, The King and I, and just just a lot of very famous movies and he was a a huge deal during this time he was involved with this movie and he did the music for johnny appleseed and apparently i could find no source for this story it's apocryphal but like i couldn't even find where it apocryphally comes from if anyone (laughs) has more information about this at me mom mouse on twitter let us know but apparently upon hearing the music that ken darby composed for johnny appleseed walt disney hated it and said that it was, quote, like New Deal music. <laughs> and Darby apparently said back, that is just a cross-section of one man's opinion. <laughs> and then after this, Darby wasn't uh, working on any more Disney films or shorts. I can believe which it. Which that part is definitely true. Like, that Darby stopped working after this. But I can't find any evidence of the fight, mm-hmm. or why Walt Disney would have thought the Johnny Appleseed music Johnny Appleseed's certainly the most culturally conservative short in the movie, right? Would sound like New Deal music, or what (laughs) New Deal music even really means. Right? That's what I was wondering. What does that mean? And that is definitely one of those things that we are too young probably to get. (laughs) I guess. I guess. he's. I mean, he's certainly... You know, Walt Disney was conservative yep. politically, especially during this time, really kind of solidified that because, of course, he hated FDR because <laughs> FDR's government had taken over his studio and forced him to make propaganda films. And to, you know, to be honest, FDR indirectly led to the chain of events uh, that forced Walt Disney to create Melody Time, which, <laughs> I mean, would be a black mark on any presidency. Right, right. It's certainly derogatory, but I, I can't imagine what it would mean, or again, why he would feel that way about that short, compared to some of the other shorts in this that are much more, like, modern and strange and... Yeah. But it does, you know, it shows the main point that, like, Disney wasn't involved in or liked this movie. (laughs) And it was released on VHS in 1998 and released again on DVD in 2000. Those are the only two releases in the United States ever. I know. And 
In those VHS and DVD releases, they edited Pecos Bill all to heck. They took out anything that involved the cigarette, which is most of it, mm-hmm. or anything where Roy Rogers is smoking, which again is most of it. But for Disney Plus, they restored it. Yeah, I thought that uh, was which is what we watched. Yes, yeah, and it's the first time in eighty years that the uncut version of this movie can be seen in the United States. Yeah, which is. Uh, odd? I mean, it's like, I'm glad that we can see it, but it's also like, why did Disney make a proper restoration of this movie and it's only ever come out on Disney Plus? The Disney releases of things, especially of these early movies, are uh, completely bizarre. It's true. I mean, maybe they were putting it just on Disney Plus to see if there's enough interest to create physical media to sell, but... I have no idea. And maybe they just didn't think people would care enough to own it. But uh, and they don't. Probably not. <laughs> it's probably true. I mean, I do think I do think this movie should be released in its uncut version mm-hmm. in the best restoration possible right. because I think that's true of all movies. Right. It for historical information. Right. So people can own these things in their home and not have to rely on a streaming service which, you know, might go down or might stop offering certain movies or who knows. That said, I personally would never bother to own this movie. (laughs) And that that really is all there is to say about the background of this movie. It was a cheap money play that more or less worked. (laughs) I mean, it kept the studio open for another year. Great. Well, let's talk about the movie then. We were watching this, as mentioned, on Disney+. Plus. It opens in the Disney Plus version with a, like, four-paragraph disclaimer uh-huh. that's basically the outdated cultural depictions disclaimer, but much longer. And more detailed. And it disappears after 12 seconds, so it was impossible to read. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was really trying to. This is, of course, referring to the racism in the... Johnny Appleseed and especially the Pecos Bill segments. Yes. But it it was totally unreadable. I have no idea what it says. Disney Plus was like, nope, get rid of it as soon as possible. (laughs) So that was interesting. That's the first thing I have written down. They did have a link at the end of it, though, which I was only able to see by kind of screenshotting the movie. The disclaimer while it's on the screen. www.disney.com slash stories matter. That takes you to some information about... Disney's commitment to creating stories now that are free of these negative depictions and stereotypes. Yes, not absurdly racist. Correct. Basically, they're admitting, yes, we know we were racist in the past, and we are sorry about that. And here is our going forward, how we're not going to do that anymore, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, this is, uh, they apparently added this on October 17th, 2020. They added it to six movies, it seems like. Peter Pan, The Aristocats, Jungle Book, Lady and the Tramp, Dumbo, and this Hmm. are the six movies, at least that started with it. According to what I'm reading now, which is an insider article, they also put it on the Swiss Family Robinson. So it might be on other things. So obviously you can tell we watched Dumbo before that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Since this is our first time mentioning it. Folks, people don't believe me about this. We've been preparing this podcast for a long time. At time of recording, we have not yet launched the podcast. Correct. We're about to. Yep. The next episode will be the first one we record after anyone has listened to it. I hope you guys like it. (laughs) You know, eight, nine weeks ago when you started (laughs) listening to it. This is episode 10. We've made it to double digits. Oh, wow. We're we're about a fifth of the way through this endeavor. And we still haven't gotten to any good movies. (laughs) 
I'm exaggerating, but uh, anyway, I don't know. This is, I guess this is a, a good little initiative. And, and on the website itself, it goes into specifically why the, for example, the Peter Pan scene is one of the most shockingly racist scenes in a movie that's still popular. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Hey, don't trust stuff like this. <laughs> Corporate statements on racism. As somebody who helps write these things as part of my living um, in marketing, uh, these are here to cover Disney's butt and not to actually make substantial change. So let's all make sure to hold them accountable to that. Correct. Uh, anyway, then the movie <laughs> starts. <laughs> this movie starts with one of the worst songs. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's just the end of the sentence, but I probably the single worst uh, song in a Disney movie so far. It's just, I don't remember the tune, but it's just, the lyrics are like, Melody time, it's a time for melody to a happy land of song where love is a thing. Melody time, it's time for sweet romance. Like, it's it's a song I would make up as a joke of like, if somebody asked you, what's the title song of melody time? I'd right, be like, right. melody time, it's time for <laughs> melody. The time of clock is melody. Right. It's so true that it feels like such a lazy song. It's it's astonishing. It, they, <laughs> it And it just, again, sets the mood of nobody cared about this movie. <laughs> and also, I have to say, uh, it's full of lies because the narrator sings... Come on in and join the fun. Mm -hmm. So that's a lie. Mm -hmm. There's something here for everyone. You'll find rhythm and romance, reason and rhyme, something ridiculous, something sublime. I didn't find any of that. None <laughs> of that's in this movie. I can see kind of where they were going with it, but uh, maybe for the original audience, it was a little more those things. This one I feel like is very dated. It is. Um, I... More than some other of the Disney movies. Even the ones we've already gone through. This one feels right. very much more a product of its time. Maybe if we were 100 years old. Exactly. Maybe if it was 100 years ago. <laughs> we would we would enjoy it. <laughs> we would enjoy it more. It's true. I wish my grandma was still alive so I could ask her her opinion of it. It's true. There's an easel and a paintbrush moving on its own. There's this character called the Master of Ceremonies who... His name is not said in the movie. Who's drawn here, voiced by Buddy Clark, mm -hmm. who is a terrifying monster. <laughs> He's a very <laughs> upsetting figure. He's only seen in this one scene. The it was it's like a singing mask, right? Yeah, but they start off just drawing like the lips, <laughs> and there's something really unsettling about it. And even when they draw a mask, I mean, it looks like it looks like the Joker or something. It's, it's spooky. Because of how this one starts with the easel and paint and kind of going into the the painting coming to life, you know what I mean? As we've seen in some of the other movies, I was prepared to enjoy it already because I do enjoy that technique where the, the singing describes things and stuff appears, right? I agree. Um, as they're doing the animation, but... Good stuff. Um, it was it was less, less than I'd hoped. <laughs> mm-hmm. Buddy Clark, by the way, very popular singer, Jewish, apropos of nothing, but always nice. Always nice to see a fellow member of the tribe. Worked with Benny Goodman and the Andrews sisters and uh, a lot of the other people who are in these movies. Mm -hmm. And he is the narrator for this movie. And again, he, he plays a, a wretched little haunted mask. <laughs> melody time. <laughs> it's time for a melody. I'll kill your dog. <laughs> what? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Very unsettling. 
I didn't like when the master of ceremonies turned directly to camera and whispered to each of us individually the manner of our death. <laughs> I also don't like that it said the master of ceremonies in all four cases. Uh, uh anyway, I'm really trying to stay in this section as long as we can because the next section is unfortunately once upon a winter time. Once upon a winter time. This I had definitely seen somewhere, but I don't know exactly where. Yeah, it's it's been featured in a lot of other things. It's really bad. I will say... It's really bad. I found some information that said the art in this one is based on the graphic stylings of Disney concept artist Mary Blair, which I'm like, that's the most interesting thing I found out about this, and I kind of wished I'd known it going in. Maybe I would have liked the art style better. But it felt weird from the very beginning, almost. Not quite the very beginning. I liked how the lace frame for the title becomes frost on a windowpane. I thought that was cute. Cool. Mm-hmm. But when you get into the actual short with the characters, I was immediately struck by how the girl has no nose. <laughs> yes. And it feels weird. Here's what's weird about it. I don't actually mind that style. Mm-hmm. You know, Mary Blair is cool. Right. The pro- One of the problems with this short is that it's in many different styles. If she mm-hmm. had no nose and the boy had no nose, which again happens in Make Mind Music yeah. with the All the Cats Join In right. segment. Right. That looks great. I love that. Our wartime era art yes. emulates that. Although I think we do have noses in it. <laughs> That's fine. But then here, only one person doesn't have a nose. Right. And so it's like, is she literally not supposed to have a nose? Like, is this a person who <laughs> has suffered physical trauma? That's it's very unfortunate. Jenny and Joe, yeah. by the way. I do like the framing device, pun intended, where it starts with picture frame showing Joe and Jenny when they're a little older. And then it goes into the short. And then you see that at the end again. Framing device. I'm sorry, it's terrible. I'm trying to come up with jokes to make it keep going, but you know. <laughs> this It's it's really boring. <laughs> they go for a sleigh ride. They're having a date in the old timey times. As are two rabbits. Yep. No relation. <laughs> no reason to be here. For whatever reason, the actions of Joe and Jenny are paralleled by these two bunnies. If you've seen the movie Us by Jordan Peele... <laughs> I don't think it's related. So they go for a sleigh ride. Then they go ice skating. He's good at skating. She's having some trouble. She gets upset because he smiles a little when she's having trouble, I think. And then when he's showing off, he hits her with a bunch of ice shavings or snow and she gets all covered with snow. So she gets really mad. Love's young dream comes to an end. (laughs) You're describing all this and like... I watched this movie. I didn't take many notes. I truly like was watching this movie. I don't remember any of this. <laughs> yeah, he's because he's like shh, on the ice and she's covered in snow. And so she stalks off with her nose in the air. And the same sort of thing. Something happens with the girl and boy bunny. Just take it as read that anything that's going on with Joe and Jenny is also going on with the boy and girl bunny. They're just like reflections And the rabbits at first seem like they're just going to be walking through the scene. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even bother to make note of them. I was like, whatever, it's a Disney cartoon. There's animals for a bit. Right. And then they keep hanging around and you're like, oh, this is the whole time. These are two of the the primary characters. There's just nothing really happens with this. Like you are by speeding through it as well. You should don't get me wrong. You are making it sound so much more eventful than it is. The story of this is 
They're ice skating. It briefly looks like there might be peril. <laughs> there isn't. You know this because, as you say, at the beginning, you see that everyone is alive and fine. Yep. The end question mark? <laughs> when the girls stalk off in a huff, they end up on the thin ice because, you know, that's that's what always is going to happen. The ice cracks. Oh, no. So terrible. The boys are trying to rescue the girls. They do a terrible job at it and end up face down in the snow. So the ha- girls have to be rescued by the other animals who have been hanging around. The horses who are pulling the sleigh, the squirrels, Correct. the birds. They actually are the ones who rescue the girls from going over the icy waterfall while the boys are just freezing in the snow. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, of course, at the end, everybody's happy. It's all good again. Shoot, I'd start dating the squirrel. <laughs> Right? The squirrel was there for me when I needed him, Joe. Yeah, the horses with really, really long necks. They're riding off in the sleigh again. Everybody's happy. It fades to the picture frames. And then the picture frame with Joe on one side and Jenny on the other side, the hinge closes. So it's like the pictures are kissing, I guess. Yeah, I forgot about that. But you're absolutely right. Which is sort of weird. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Just a thing. I couldn't tell you anything about how the song goes for this one, by the way. Just the, yeah, there is a song. Just the uh, just the story. <laughs> uh, yep. There's yeah. I have nothing to say about this. But next up is Bumble Boogie. Yep. Which is a lot more fun. It's very short. Yeah, it is. Which is a big plus, and it's this swing jazz version of Flight of the Bumblebee, which of course is a very famous piece of classical music. It's really good as a boogie-woogie version. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it was in a non-boogie-woogie version intended for Fantasia. Yeah. I don't know how much is actually being reused that was intended to be used in Fantasia, but at least conceptually, this is is literally a leaving from Fantasia. Yes. In this one, the, the bee is named Bumble. What a surprise. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They worked hard on that one. And he is trapped in a a musical nightmare, I guess is what they call it. He's trying to, you know, land on flowers as bees do. And the plants and flowers are all turning into instruments and chasing him away and attacking him. And he's having to flee all over the place. Piano keys on a flower that turn into like a snake. And and that's it. I mean, mean, that's what goes on. (laughs) This one actually feels more melody time to me or uh, more make my music to me than fantasia um although obviously the two are connected but like the uh i forget the name of the short where there's like a saxophone and everything jumping around this feels visually of a piece with that Mm -hmm. which again is like i've seen this i've seen a version of this that had better animation and that i enjoyed more this is one of the better shorts in this it is because the the music i think in this one is so good like i really like that song it is it's a it's a great version of the song performed by freddie martin and his orchestra they did a great job and it's very short which Mm -hmm. is another thing there's only seven shorts in this thing yeah most of them are quite long. <laughs> As opposed to Make My Music has 10, and they're all pretty short. Right. So even when one is bad, it's going to be over in like three minutes. <laughs> the bad ones in this one, the that first one really, Once Upon Winter Time, I don't know how long it actually is, mm-hmm. but it feels very long. <laughs> and just like, I can't believe this just is still going. going on. Yeah. Which is Kind of how I felt about the whole movie after a certain point is like, I can't believe this is still going. (laughs) 
this is part of the reason Saludos Amigos has been one of my favorite of these package films so far. <laughs> nice and tight. Yeah, it's so tight. It's so short. You can just enjoy it and then move on. Mm-hmm. This one feels padded <laughs> in a big, bad way. Speaking of which, uh, Johnny Appleseed. The Legend of Johnny Appleseed. Yep, I have seen this one a lot. This one actually starts with a book, has a has the book framing device. Which, you know, that's that adds a star for mom. <laughs> yes, books, yay! Um, tells the legend of John Chapman, who was a real person, but the story told in this, because it's a legend, is definitely just based on the tall tale information about him, not his actual real life. Like most tall tales, it starts with a question, where does this apple blossom style sky come from? Which just means these pink clouds, basically. And so you gotta explain, where does that come from? That's how tall tales tend to work. We'll see that again with uh, Pecos Bill later. And the narrator for this short and voice of... Everyone. Is it literally everyone? Yes, literally everyone. Is Dennis Day, who was a first-generation child of Irish immigrants and was a singer and a comedian and he was on the radio. He's what you might call a light entertainer, Mm -hmm. which is a thing that doesn't really exist anymore. And Johnny Appleseed is designed to look like him. Oh, interesting. Very much so. He has... I'll send you this picture. It has this very particular smile (laughs) that he has that is absolutely captured. I can see it. That definitely... Johnny's smile. And he's pretty good in this. I feel like this short soured for me watching it this time, possibly because it's in this movie and like I'm burnt out. (laughs) That is one thing, by the way, I meant to say up top, like, I don't know if this really is the worst one or if it's just that we have been watching these shorts for, you know, five weeks now and I want to watch something else. That's what I was wondering, too, because... I've never watched them all back to back like this. And some of them, I'm not sure I ever watched the whole thing at one go, right? Right. I can't remember if I've ever seen Melody Time as one thing, but I've never definitely watched it after having just watched all the ones that were made right previous. Right. So it may be that we're kind of in almost doing ourselves a disservice watching them all back to back. But we wanted to put everything in order in our minds because that's how we're approaching this. That's to say, as we always say, like, if you like this movie and we don't. Right. And you should keep in mind as a listener, you know, the unusual circumstances in which we are watching these. If, like, we were just sitting in the living room after maybe some holiday event on Thanksgiving or something, Mm -hmm. like, oh, let's put a movie on that we can fall asleep to. Exactly. And we had just flipped through Disney Plus and found this thing and put it on, which we did this year with Babes in Toyland. If it was just something like that, I could see, you know. Although Babes in Toyland is for sure better than this. 100%. A lot more to laugh at. I can see that being more fun than like, well, we've just watched Make My Music, so I have the better version of this in my head. And we've also just watched Fantasia. Right. And we've watched all these shorts, and I have to take notes and take this seriously Mm -hmm, for the podcast mm -hmm. and pay attention to it. I thought it was interesting when I was looking at lists of songs in Melody Time, the Johnny Appleseed stuff, it listed as one song, as opposed to, I was thinking of it as like, at least three separate songs. I don't think that's correct, because elsewhere I have seen them listed as different songs, such mm-hmm. as The Lord is Good The Lord is Good to Me. <laughs> yep. And Get on the Wagon Rolling West. That's definitely a separate song. Yep. Not sure what the third one is called. I wrote down There's a Lot of Work to Do. Yeah, something like that. That the angel sings. I don't know what it's called either. The Master of Ceremonies kind of starts off telling the story normally. Right. And he's talking about all these different legends. It's a weird thing 
you talk about this movie being dated. This is an interesting example of that. Mm -hmm. Where he talks about like, oh, of course you know this person and this person and this person. Mm -hmm. Several of which I did not know. Yeah. And it's like, but you might not know about Johnny Appleseed. And it it kind of felt like a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer where it's like, do you recall the only reindeer anyone knows anything about? (laughs) I was like, Johnny Appleseed is the most famous one. That was less true at this time. Johnny Appleseed, of course, mm-hmm. in the unlikely circumstance that anyone doesn't know, but like especially if you are a non-American listener, you might be less familiar with Johnny Appleseed, who was a real person named John Chapman, although of course the legend is total not true. The legend is a pretty story. Yes. He was a preacher and a nursery man. It wasn't like this is a concept he invented, which is kind of what the short makes it look like. (laughs) This was a job that people had and he had this and he planted a lot of apple trees and people really liked him and he kind of became the most famous person of his profession, um, despite also doing a lot of bad things in his time. Because he was a person and that's how people are. Yeah. And especially, you know, that's that's how every... Uh, American legend is they were all bad people. It's a bad country. (laughs) But Johnny Appleseed, the story was, of course, it was already kind of a tall tale and something of a legend at this point. And it is hard to tell which, to a certain extent, there are some things in the real John Chapman's life where it's, you know, hard to say what's actually true and what just got repeated as a story so much that it was treated as true. Mm But I didn't realize how much of an impact this Disney short had on making him one of the, like, preeminent legends <laughs> in the modern era. And one of the people who, like, I heard about so much as a kid, and I'm sure you did yeah. too, and, like, there's a ton of storybooks about it. Mm-hmm. A lot of it does come, I mean, again, he he was very popular beforehand, but this short kind of made him even more famous <laughs> and, and popularized this version of the tall tale. That's funny. So the story begins in the year 1806. Yes, and it should be noted that they do what I think is just a terrible bit here, which is that the story is being told by an old settler who knew him at the time. (laughs) He was, of course, also voiced by Dennis Day, which is a really annoying voice. And it's like, just have Dennis Day or just have the Master of Ceremonies guy Mm -hmm. narrate this. Why does one narrator have to introduce a different, worse narrator? They probably had like created the shorts separately and then had to bring in somebody else to narrate the in-between bits. Yeah, and I mean, of course, Dennis Day is brought in, as we've talked about with the other wartime movies, to add some star power. Yeah, they have a big list of stars in the credits. That's actually, yes, before any other credits or the title song starts, they just list all of the stars. I just, I don't like this old settler voice, and it's a weird idea. (laughs) That's all. But this is, it's a lot nicer animation than any of the two shorts we've seen so far. We start off with some really nice backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Johnny Appleseed is is a dork. <laughs> <laughs> He's a total square. He's got this ugly little ponytail and he, he sings this uh, very, I mean, this short is very explicitly religious and very explicitly Christian. Yeah. Which, despite us not being Christian, I kind of enjoyed just because, like, modern Disney movies won't, you know, touch religion with a 10-foot pole. Mm -hmm. The fact that it's religious at all is interesting. Yes, I agree. And so he's singing this song about how the lard is good to him. (laughs) And he's so happy. He's got all these apples to pick. Then he sees a bunch of pioneers in their covered wagons going out west, and they're singing the song, Get on the wagons, rollin' west. And the pioneers have little dot eyes, which again, mm-hmm. both a cost-saving measure and it, kind of in that all the cats uh, join in I didn't in notice style. their dot eyes. 
They do. They have little dot eyes. And so he imagines going with them. Yep. But he's like, oh, shucks. I'm too lame for that. I'm too weak and scrawny. Look at my ugly little ponytail. <laughs> I don't know why you're going on about his ponytail. It's just an old <laughs> early 1800s hairstyle. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine a guy having a ponytail? Um, the yes. joke is that I have a ponytail. But you everyone. don't have a dorky little ponytail, so. <laughs> I have a rich, full ponytail that is a huge mess most of the time especially in quarantine luxuriant <laughs> yes uh but then johnny's guardian angel shows up he looks like a furrier he's got a coonskin cap yep and it might look awful strange to you but to johnny looked just right which is i don't know i kind of like this i like this mm-hmm. uh very poetic this this telling yeah <laughs> basically the guardian angel is like listen apples <laughs> you need to go out west and be a pioneer anyway because we need somebody to go plant apples the strangest thing about this short is that <laughs> it's not like oh johnny appleseed you know provided food to people or planted beautiful trees or the good thing is just apples are so good right <laughs> thank the lard we have access to apples like <laughs> I, I made a joke about whether or not this uh, particular segment of the movie was, like, sponsored by the Apple Council. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, if we can just go into a quick ad break, this show is brought to you by Apples. <laughs> apples, they're a fruit. You can bite into them. They're juicy. They're, they are uh, juicy. They, they come in a lot of colors and flavors and types. Mm-hmm. So please uh, go to apples.apples <laughs> and enter promo code Johnny Podcast <laughs> for 15% off your first order with free shipping. Again, that's apples.apples. I hope that's not a real website. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, for, forward slash me, mom mouse. <laughs> yeah, the guardian angel tell, lists all the special foods that can be made of apples. Apple pickles, whatever. Apple dumplings, apple pies, apple fritters. I can't even remember them all. It goes on forever. It's like, I don't know. I like apples. Yeah. I'll eat an apple with lunch most days, but this short really <laughs> likes uh, apples, really? which it, much like our sponsor for today's episode. <laughs> they go into the, the song is there's a lot of work to do. Get out there and plant some apple trees, basically. Johnny, of course, protests that he doesn't have the right tools or equipment to be a pioneer. So the angel just tells him, oh, you just need this pot to be both your hat and a cook pot for food. Here's a bag of seeds so that you can plant seeds. And if you need something to read, take take your book, your good book, which is a Bible. They don't actually say the word Bible, but it's a book with a big cross on the front. So off he goes without no knife and without no gun. (laughs) <laughs> yep sent off to die in the woods <laughs> abandon your orchard my child yep which of course is not how it happened it was a business venture he went back and for- like he went east and then west several times back to his home orchard that was owned by like his sister i think but that's okay it's a story, it's a story. he goes into a creepy forest there's an evil bear <laughs> the animals are scared of him. right they don't like people men men bring guns and try to kill them Yes, and then there's a, uh, I believe, a 65-minute bit with a skunk. <laughs> I don't know that it's that long, but it is kind of long. It feels a, long. This, this whole segment feel, start to feel a little longer than you expect. But yeah, a skunk comes out. The other animals are like, oh, yeah, send the skunk to get rid of this guy. Because Johnny has found a place to plant apple seeds, so he's starting to plant. The skunk comes out. There's all this business before Johnny even sees it. He accidentally hits the skunk on the head. Skunk is about to do its 
its work and Johnny <laughs> pets it and the skunk is okay with that. <laughs> All the animals become Johnny's friends. Yep, and uh, now he's Snow White, basically. <laughs> right. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. A movie I miss every day. <laughs> Time passes. He plants a lot of apples. Apple trees grow. And then we see after the apple trees have had time to grow, some of the pioneers who have settled near his apple orchards are having a big party with apple foods. And we get again the list of apple foods. Yes, the exact same list. (laughs) This is also where we get some very racist caricatures of Native Americans. Yep. Which I I just want to talk about just for a second, because I don't actually have any links in the description of this episode. I did check... Nobody's really written about the Native American caricatures in this movie, partially because this movie doesn't exist in the cultural consciousness. Right. But also there's like, there's not really anything to say. You know, it's not like these, in either of the shorts where they appear, it's not like these are characters or serve any meaningful role in the story. There are just Native Americans in two of these stories and they're drawn in a racist way and that's all there is to say about them and that's all we are going to say about them. Yep. Johnny is watching this party from the sidelines. He doesn't join in. He's covered with all of his animal friends. One of them is a chipmunk who looks in the exact same style as yes. original Chip and Dale. Um, but there's just one. So I I, det- I decided it was Chip. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Chip and Dale have merged. Yes. Chale? We are Dale Chip. There's all business with him getting into the food and trying not to be spotted by the people. Whatever. Then Johnny goes on and the narrator talks about how he plants in an area 100,000 miles square. Which I kind of wanted to figure out how big of a land area that is, but I didn't have time to to do the math on that. I could right now, but I won't. Exactly. He makes it to the west side of the country because again in this it's it's just like he walked from one end of the country to the other he casts this big shadow all across the nation (laughs) yeah the giant shadow is funny uh because apples Mm, they're good nothing better you could do in life than uh use promo code johnny podcast (laughs) you know what i changed my mind as we're talking about it i'm kind of like maybe i'll i'll get an apple (laughs) eat it on mic i I got some i like pink lady apples that's my favorite type of apples i have some Mm -hmm. I think my favorite type is gala apples, but I also like Fuji apples quite a bit. I frequently have to settle for gala because with the with the shortages now, always get pink lady apples. Yeah. Anyway, then Johnny Appleseed dies. <laughs> yeah, he's super old. The angel returns and tells Johnny to get up, which he does, leaving his husk behind. It's so weird. He, Yeah, he leaves his body behind. You know, you've seen this in many. There's a classic American animation shorthand for a, a spirit leaving a body. But it is so weird because he looks back. He's like, what's that? And uh, his guardian angel is like, that's just your husk. And he goes, my husk? <laughs> it's a great moment. Well, and he's like, I can't die. I got a lot of work to do. And the angel, of course, is There's like. A lot more apples to plant. He's like, yeah, we need you to come up and plant apples in heaven because we don't have any up there. Which is like, you waited this long? You, there's no apples in heaven? Like, this is, this is 1800s. <laughs> there's been a lot of time before this. You guys have been slacking. Could have had some other apple planter come to heaven. <laughs> there's no apples in heaven? All right, that's fine. Like, I assume, you know, you have like those magic Garden of Eden fruits. Like, you have the tree of life itself. Right. And it's like, I don't know, though. We got no apples. <laughs> Those, you know, life itself fritters, they just don't hit the same. (laughs) 
Oh, crap. Now we got to get a second guy to come up here and plant cinnamon. Oh, yeah. I can't do, like, apple pie properly. Uh, <laughs> all right, Jimmy Cinnamon Seed. <laughs> Go back down, Angel. Make a guy whose whole deal is cinnamon. <laughs> uh, yeah. So... The, then, of course, they go up to heaven and they do the There's a Lot of Work to Do song again. And then when you see the apple blossom sky, that's the the blossoms from Johnny's heavenly apple trees. <laughs> yep, which is which is a nice, I mean, it's a it's a nice visual. It is. It's a very nice visual. This short is OK. Dennis is. Day is really having fun in all of his performances. Yeah. There's some good stuff like my husk. <laughs> it doesn't really have a story. It doesn't have much to like hang your head on and be like, this is the point of this. Mm-hmm. It kind of just kills time like the rest of this movie. Yeah. And this is where I, I checked and I could not believe that there were 43 minutes left in this film, but there sure are. It's true. We've only had three of them so far. The lard is bad to me. <laughs> However, we always like to talk about our favorite parts of this movie. Uh-huh. Uh, this next short is my favorite for sure. Little toot. Little toot. It's not one I, I'm not sure if I've seen it before. Maybe that's part of why I enjoyed it more than like another viewing of Johnny Appleseed. Yeah. Maybe it's the fact that it's called Little Toot. <laughs> Maybe it's because the Andrews sisters are singing it. That's what I was about to say. The Andrews sisters, of course, we talked about them on Make My Music. Uh, they were wonderful there. Yep. They're wonderful here. Yep. This story is maybe a little better than uh, Johnny Fedora and Alice Blue Bonnet, <laughs> even though I kind of like that section. I gotta be honest. Yeah, I, I think this story is a little better. <laughs> I, I tried to defend that, but uh, Little Toot mm-hmm. is about a boat. It is. It's also Shades of Pedro the Airplane. For sure. It it is but definitely. I like this better than that too. Although I have to say, mom status in this one not applicable. He hasn't got a mom. He only has a dad. His dad is big too. All boats are male. <laughs> That's the opposite of how people normally think of boats. Right. Right. Also, only tugboats are sentient. All other boats still require a human crew. I guess. But unlike Pedro the airplane, we are not asked to think about it. They're not like here's plain anatomy. Here's plain <laughs> parents. It's so true. It's just like. It's a boat. It talks. You've seen a Disney movie, right? Yeah. Not that he actually does any talking. Well, that's true. The boats don't actually talk. But it's not like you feel like they can't talk. It's basically, you know, the whole thing is the Andrews sisters singing and they don't talk for the characters, really. Mm-hmm. And the Andrews sisters, uh, I saw some interview with them where they were talking about how they really enjoyed this, mm-hmm. uh, recording this. They like came in for a day and they just saying the whole thing and apparently it was a fun experience for them so that's good that's good maxine andrews said it was quite an experience on the wall at the studio they had the whole story in picture form two songwriters played the score while walt disney explained it to us we sang the narrative it was very exciting to work with disney he was such a gentleman well that's nice he was well behaved you know for the celebrity guests even though mm. behind the scenes he was like this movie is for liberals <laughs> S- somehow i have no idea uh little toot he comes from a long line of tugboats. Yep. As, as you know, tugboats do, I guess. He His father is Big Toot. Big Toot has a beard. Yes. <laughs> his father does his job and is very responsible, but Little Toot is kind of a brat. He's, uh, he's very excitable, this Little Toot. And he wants, like so many children, he wants to be his dad, even though he's just a Little Toot. And the upshot of this is that after some minor mischief, Lil Toot causes a horrible disaster. Yeah, it's funny because he's doing this minor mischief. He gets in trouble. 
with his dad. He sees the harbor patrol boat and is like scared. Cop so he's boat. like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, mend my ways and try to be helpful now. So he sees his father ha- pulling an ocean liner and he goes to help. But instead, when he's trying to push the boat instead of pull it, as tugboats do, he pushes on the rudder, which of course causes the boat to go round and round in circles and eventually crash on the land. <laughs> Easily thousands are dead in the greatest attack on American soil. (laughs) A day that will live in infamy, the little toot disaster, because yeah, it's a giant ship. Everyone on that is dead. He's thrown into like multiple skyscrapers Uh fall Uh down. Everyone in those buildings is dead. Everyone on the road under those buildings is dead. (laughs) Just obviously none of this is shown, but it's, it's quite, it's quite shocking. (laughs) Unsurprisingly, little toot is towed outside the harbor limits in chains and banished. I am not generally a person in favor of the American prison system, but this is a a person who is a danger to himself and others. Oh, yeah. Maybe we should banish Little Toot. And his father has to carry the garbage boat in shame. Yes. I accidentally, when I was making notes, made a portmanteau of this, and I wrote he was pulling the garbage, the garbage barge, which cracked me up actually more than the short... (laughs) Netflix has already optioned 12 episodes of The Garbage. <laughs> maybe maybe Disney Plus will do it. It's a spinoff of Planes, Fire, and Rescue. It's boats, go. garbage, and trash. <laughs> the funniest thing about The Garbage is that they don't really, you know, like everything else, very cheaply animated, very flat colors. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So The Garbage just has, like, pea soup on it. Like, just <laughs> lumps of mushy peas is what it looks like. Like, right. it's bright green, yeah. circular lumps. As little Toot is sailing away, there's a lighthouse, and the light from the lighthouse that's swinging around, like, bumps up to avoid little Toot. Right, even light itself rejects little Toot. (laughs) Um, I also, slightly before that, is the Andrews sisters just going, Bad boy, bad boy. Little Toot is a a criminal. (laughs) Little Toot is an outcast. He's he's history's greatest monster. Yeah. But uh, there's a boat in trouble. The storm comes up. Little Toot feels he must do what is best for the boat, and which is correct, and <laughs> that him helping is best, which is incorrect. <laughs> he puffs an SOS from his smokestack, but the other tugboats who are trying to come help are unable to make headway. So the Andrews sisters are singing like, do or die, do, do or, or die. die. Yes. Which again, like, this is a nice song in and of itself, but more than a song, it's them kind of doing like little chanting things like that. It's fun. I like it. That's part, maybe why they enjoyed this one better than Johnny Fedora and Alice Blue Bonnet, because there's a lot more of that interesting vocal stuff going on. I agree. Johnny Fedora, that one is basically, it's just a song that they sing. Yes. This one is really, you know, singing in time with like the animation. Right. And the storytelling with it and also... You know, the fun things like the bad boy and do or die, do or die. And then they do some other vocal things that I don't remember what all of them are. Now, it's at this point that the lard god himself, the lard guard himself, (laughs) large garge, decides something must be done about little toot and attempts to strike him down with lightning. (laughs) (laughs) He's trying to pull the big ship and he can't manage it because he's a tiny baby tugboat and the ship is gigantic. But he gets struck by lightning several times and is unable to have the strength to pull the ship, the big ship. And as the storm is ending, he proudly is pulling the ship into port. I guess he does kind of like, looks like he sank for a little while, but then he's okay. Which reminded me of Pedro, like you were saying, where it's like, 
He's gone. Oh, wait, no, he's back. <laughs> and at the ending, Big Toot is the proud papa and Little Toot is um, welcomed back into society <laughs> as a productive he's, member. He he went on a, a, you know, a three month apology tour and now he's uncanceled, as so <laughs> often happens. Yes, yes. Little Toot, I think, might have been the first short from this movie to be released on its own. It was also very popular. Yeah. I mean, It, Pecos Bill, and Johnny Appleseed are the clear standouts. Almost all of the shorts in this were released as just individual shorts or combined with other things. But those three are the heavy hitters, mm-hmm. and not a heavy hitter is Trees. Trees. I don't know much to say about this one. <laughs> Trees is a famous poem that's very bad by, <laughs> by Joyce Kilmer, who is an American poet. It was published in 1913. And the entire thing, everyone only knows the first line, really, but the entire thing is, I think that I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree. A tree whose hungry mouth is pressed against the earth's sweet flowing breast. A tree that looks at God all day and lifts her leafy arms to pray. A tree that may in summer wear a nest of robins in her hair, upon whose bosom snow has lain, who intimately lives with rain. Poems are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. Interesting. I did not catch all those words in the song during the movie. It's, <laughs> it's a very sing-songy poem for babies, the upshot of which is nothing that humans make is as good as what God can make. But it uh-huh. also just seems like maybe he has the hots for a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Little bit, like, it's right? Just about like, oh, this beautiful tree with beautiful hair yeah. and beautiful clothes. I want to date her. <laughs> it's very much described feminine yes and it's uh boring and a terrible poem despite being very famous and this short is that set to music by fred waring and the pennsylvanians so they basically sing the poem and i saw stuff that said maybe this was also intended for you know to add to a new fantasia or it also it just feels like make my music some of the shorts in that one that are you know the tone poem or whatever yeah where it's just got pretty visuals showing trees throughout the seasons there's nothing plot wise at all in this one and i can't even remember any specific moments to call out no the short is technologically innovative ken o'connor who is a layout artist at disney came up with like Basically, you know when it's like all black Mm -hmm. and there's the crazy things in the shadows? That's done by using frosted cells, rendering the pastel images right onto the cell, and then laminating them in clear lacquer. Interesting. Basically, this short doesn't look like anything else. And I wrote down, even before, you know, I did the research, that I do think this is the best looking thing in the movie. Yeah, it looks very pretty, but it's boring. It's totally boring. It has no plot. And the upshot, like the poem it's based on, is just like, trees. Which brings us to our second ad break. This show is brought to you by trees. (laughs) Apple trees. (laughs) Trees. They help you breathe. You go outside and uh, there's oxygen. Mm -hmm. And that's in part because of trees. They're nice to look at. Maybe, you know, you don't need to be commenting on their hair. That's a little weird. A little presumptuous. (laughs) But uh, trees. So for 15% off your first tree, we'll chop it right out of there. Please... (laughs) Use coupon code, there's like 30 minutes left in this horrible movie, (laughs) and check out, go to trees.branch forward slash leaf backward slash Meemaw Mouse, (laughs) and enter promo code, I can't believe there's still over 30 minutes left in this terrible movie. But we're approaching the end. It's only two more shorts. you know, 
why this movie isn't very good? Why is well, that? I blame it on the Samba. <laughs> good one, good one. Which is the next segment, which is actually pretty good. It's true. It is a, it's a better segment. It may not have much story either, but it's at least more entertaining visually. For sure. So, the Araquan. Mm-hmm. My favorite guy. I was so excited when I saw the Araquan, but he doesn't do the... <laughs> not much, no. The, but the Araquan from uh, Three Caballeros and Legend of the Three Caballeros... He's here, he's running a cafe that is also a book of sheet music. Yep, of course, I guess. <laughs> Jose and Donald, they're blue. Extremely literally and figuratively. Blue. They're wandering into this uh, cafe. They seem very depressed. They can barely even expend the energy to lift one eye to look at the menu. <laughs> so, of course, the Araquan has to wake them up and inspire them with samba music. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's a good song. Yep. I think it's funny how that as the samba rhythm wakes them up, then they actually turn into their normal colors. Yes. It's a nice touch. And this is, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with the people who are like, oh, this is the best thing featuring these characters. <laughs> but it's a nice segment. There's not much to talk about, I think. It's it's just pretty colors mm-hmm. and a nice song. There is a little bit of live action here yep. with Ethel Smith, the organist. Yes. The Dinning sisters are the ones singing the song. Mm-hmm. The Araquan is, is making a bit of mischief. As he do. Attempts to drown everyone multiple times. <laughs> like a dream, things are morphing into other things and places. They later end up in a tropical forest where Ethel Smith is drumming and dancing and the Donald and Jose are dancing. They're gigantic samba instruments. The Araquan hits Ethel Smith in the shins with a bat. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes. The Araquan bird, I just, I love... He does a lot of torment. When there's a bird who's a menace. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's it's a lot of fun, though. It's, you know, it's another samba, which those are fun. Uh, it feels like it could definitely just be in Saludos Amigos or Three Caballeros. With that connection, I have to say, I was really glad that Donald Duck has no interest in Ethel Smith romantically. Right? I was like... As soon as I see Donald Duck, Jose Carioca, and a live-action woman, I'm like, not again, please. <laughs> well, he didn't. It does swerve away from that. Yep. And at the end of the short, the Araquan blows everything up, and then runs around the borders of the screen as he did in yes. the other one. Yes, but does not say ba 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 But yeah, I mean, it's pretty good. Yep. And finally, the meat of the movie, mm-hmm. at 22 minutes... In its fully restored version, certainly the longest thing in the movie. Practically a medium. Probably the reason that Melody Time exists. Pecos Bill. Pecos. <laughs> Pecos Bill. I mean, they say Pecos Bill. They do sometimes say Pecos. Pecos. Which I'm like, okay, come on now. But whatever. <laughs> anyway, so tell us about uh, Pecos Bile. <laughs> uh, it starts off with a song that will put you right to sleep. Right. Blue Shadows on the Trail. As sung by Roy Rogers and the Sons of the Pioneers. Roy Rogers, a very famous Western star. Yes. Kind of became the template for the American cowboy. The, the American cowboy on movies and TVs. <laughs> yes. And uh, the Sons of the Pioneers were a very important early country band. Yes. So these are, these are I would say that probably at the time, Roy Rogers is the biggest name in this movie. It's true, I think. And that he was the first one listed in the credits, I'm pretty sure, at the beginning of the movie. I think so, yes. He gets top billing. So it starts at, with this Blue Shadows on the Trail song. You're, we're just seeing some animation of like some tumbleweeds and owls and cactus and Texas landscape. 
<laughs> some there's some quail, there's some turtles who get completely yeah. owned by a tumbleweed. Oh, that that was I just knew there was somebody wrecked. who got owned by the tumbleweed, but I couldn't remember who. It was it was a couple of turtles. Yeah, just get devastated by a tumbleweed. And then the song comes to an end, and we see live action Roy Rogers, his horse Trigger, the rest of the Sons of the Pioneers as well, and um, also child stars Luana Patton and Bobby Driscoll. They're just having a, a camp out, I guess. They've got a campfire and they're singing songs yes, at night. Luanna, Luanna Patton we talked about last week, of course, because right. she's also in Fun and Fancy Free. Mm-hmm. Um, here she's with, she says, her Uncle Roy. Where are her parents? <laughs> Poor Luanna, just off with all her weird uncles. <laughs> they just keep leaving her with strange men. Um <laughs> Now, Bobby Driscoll was also, you know, a Disney child star. Yes. He and Luanna Patton appeared together in, uh, uh-oh, Song of the South. He was in several other live-action movies at this time. He's in another movie we're going to talk about. Do you know slash remember which? I do not. I know they were together in So Dear to My Heart, but that's another one that's a mix of live-action and animation, and we're not watching that for this. He was both the voice and the physical model for... Peter Pan. Oh, I should have known that. In Peter Pan. Yeah. And unfortunately, he ended up having a very sad life. A lot of problems with substance abuse after his his child stardom, as so happens, you know, with child stardom. But he's in this movie. And he's going to hear the story of Picus (laughs) Beale. So I think it's Luana who asks first, why coyotes howl at the moon? Yep. Prompting the story. Luana and Bobby are like kind of against each other. In the, I don't know. They're arguing a lot. There is some business with a uh, trigger. Yeah. I presume it's the sort of thing people who knew about Roy Rogers and watched his stuff were like, yeah, trigger. Yeah. <laughs> trigger. <hi! laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah. And they kind of lay out a lot of the story before they tell it. You know, they're like, oh, you know, this story involves Widowmaker. And Slewfoot Sue and all this stuff. And of course, Bobby Driscoll has to be like, I hate love. I am a young <laughs> uh, boy in a movie. Girly stuff. Yeah. And yeah. then they, they do tell the They're going to tell the, the story. story with animation, as you would expect. Yep. So the, the story takes place in Texas. So they show a map of the United States with a gigantic Texas crowding out all the other states, right. which all have silly names like California. And I, I didn't you know, make note of what they all were. Two things about, okay, three things about this map. Number one, it's funny. (laughs) It's a good joke. Number two, for those of you who don't live in the United States, that's literally what Texans think. Right. They believe that is literally true. If our relatives in Texas are uh, listening to this, um, you know we're right. (laughs) And number three, I noticed that on this map, Texas has gotten so big that it has obliterated Nebraska. Kansas, where you live, is still around, but Nebraska, where I live, is gone. And I think that's great. I would love to see Nebraska wiped off the face of the earth. Not really by Texas, but I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty funny. So there's yet another wagon train. We've got a lot of those in this movie. Going along, covered wagon, I guess it's just the one. Full of children, and one baby falls out. Mm-hmm. Near uh, Pycos. <laughs> the Pecos River. Uh, so this is, of course, Baby Bill, mm-hmm. becoming right. later known as Pecos Bill. Falls out of the covered wagon. He's totally cool Good with it. Good old pocket swill. <laughs> and he's raised by coyotes. 
And here we have our first mom status of the entire film. Oh, we got a mom status coming live over the wire. Yep, mom status. Coyote. <laughs> Confused. I do like the animation of the coyote mom walking in being like, there's a baby. There's a there's a human baby mixed in with my other babies? Where did that come from? What's going on? I guess I better raise it. <laughs> right, right, right. So he's raised with the coyotes and he becomes the strongest and the best of them. And then, you know, once that challenge is accomplished, he's like, I need more challenge. So he learns to beat the other animals at whatever they're best at running, jumping, climbing, whatever. Yes, indeed. Faster than the antelope, able to jump higher than the rabbit, able to out hiss the snake. Everyone, it's Peacoat Bob. (laughs) Although they do actually say coyote instead of coyote most of the time. I have a hard time. Remembering to say coyote instead of coyote. Who cares? Exactly. <laughs> they also say pecos and you haven't been saying that. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, t- tell us more about uh, Popcorn James. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a little horse who's wandering in the desert being attacked by vultures and little Pecos Bill goes and rescues him. This... It's, it's a clever little moment where they talk about the vultures being like the welcoming committee as usual. Yes. The usual By the way, I, I don't think you've said what your favorite short is. Is this your favorite short? Were you waiting for this one? I was kind of waiting for the end, but I mean, I can talk about it now. My favorite part of this movie is also the end. Um. <laughs> no, it's fine. I just, I was at least wanting to wait till this short. So here's the thing. If you'd asked me before we watched it, I would have said Pecos Bill is going to be my favorite short. But then we watched it. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen short before and i've seen all of them at least potentially not trees but i've seen all the rest of them before and i didn't like it as much as i did when i was younger so i'm not really sure what's my favorite short it may be bumble boogie sure um because i really like that song i could just listen to that you know whenever that would be That's fun a fun time choice. it's a fun time i mean a lot of the songs are nice to listen to i guess but i i don't know that i it's hard to pick a favorite in this one for me. <laughs> I, I felt the same way about uh, uh, Peepop Bop It Up and The Legend of Johnny Appleseed. <laughs> Both of these shorts that were the ones going in, we were like, well, at least these are great. Right? I did come out being a little colder on both of them. I mentioned that with Johnny Appleseed. Right. This one. I felt the same way. I think part of it is, you know, by the time you get to uh, <laughs> Poobert, <laughs> i can't keep this bit up i keep laughing at it. Oh, making your own self laugh by the time you get to pecos bill it's like i'm so out of the movie and i just want it to be over i'm so bored by everything that's happened even though i talked about like little toot is my favorite yeah. i'd rather watch almost any short from almost any of the prior movies than little toot mm-hmm. bongo you know, I, I is below. Right. <laughs> but other than that, it's like, you know, would you rather watch Little Toot or anything and make my music? Make my music. Easy. Yeah. And I I feel like that might be the same. Like, it's at the end of this movie and it's very long and it's like, I just want this to be over. Even though, objectively, it is far superior to everything yeah. that's come before. And I remembered, I remembered being highly amused by all of his fantastical antics. Right, which is what happens next. Yes. So, I mean, he does rescue the horse, and they become inseparable. This becomes his horse, Widowmaker. Who does not live up to his name in this cartoon. <laughs> they never really explain why he's called Widowmaker. Well, he's, he's called Widowmaker in the, you know... 
Pegaspil, again, a, a legend that existed long before this movie in this short, mm-hmm. like most Disney things at this time. And honestly, even today, it's based on an existing story. Yep. The difference is that at the time, Disney was basing its things on traditions and legends. And now, of course, it bases it all on corporate IP. Hmm. But Widowmaker, of course, is called that because he's a violent killer horse. And no one can ride him but Pecos. In this, he, until the very end, which we'll talk about, he's like a goof. He's a very silly drawing. It's just funny that it's like Widowmaker the horse, and then it's this, like, absurd-looking, you know, (laughs) Disney horse monster thing. Yep. So, you know, Bill is now grown and a cowboy, and he's doing all his tall tale feats. He's the Western Superman. Yes. I can't remember what they say in it, but I keep wanting to describe him as the rootinous tootinous cowboy, which is, of course, how they describe Woody in Toy Story. Correct. But it's that same basic thing, right? I would He's... much rather be watching or talking about <laughs> Toy Story. Well, we can't. It's Pixar. Too bad. Woody's Roundup. Come on, it's time to podcast. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Me, Mom, and the Pixar. <laughs> it's a show where we uh, completely abandon... <laughs> The whole premise. We're brought to you by hats. <laughs> Use promo code TOYS. I'm losing my mind. All right. Well, what are some of his tall tale feats he does? He lassos a tornado and rolls a cigarette, which is a, a thing that got cut and is seen as controversial by fools. He tames it down to a breeze. He yodels a lot. He that is creates true. the Gulf of Mexico. It's all very, you know, what can I say except you're welcome. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> uh, my favorite was is always where he's uh, lost in the desert and has to dig the Rio Grande to get some water. That one cracks yep, me up. He, he knocks out gold fillings of some bandits, and that's that's why there's gold in them, our hills. Exactly. And then there's a, a bad part with some Native Americans. Yeah, that's the worst bit. And then he wipes out, snuffs out every single star except one for the Lone Star State. Right. Which, again, catastrophic consequences <laughs> for the universe. Pecos Bill wipes out who knows how many alien civilizations. Yeah. But he's just bored and, you know, needs some target practice, I guess. He butts heads with a buffalo. Yeah, this, I mean, that's, that's like a lot of the short is just the the silly stuff and and probably the best part of the short because it is just fun. It's fun to see all this wacky stuff he's doing. But then we have to bring in the woman. Finds the woman. That's another movie I'd rather talk about. (laughs) Welcome to Me, Mom, and the Rango, (laughs) where we talk about animated films by Gore Verbinski. There's just one, (laughs) but we're going to talk about it a lot. Uh, I actually could talk about that one a lot, but we're not going there. Rango's a really good movie. It's an excellent movie. I love that movie. Okay. Other than it both being in the desert, though, it's not really anything to do with this one. Uh, No. So the woman, Slewfoot Sue, comes in riding on a catfish. Yep. They don't explain this. They don't explain her name either. I'm not really sure what Slewfoot means. (laughs) I get where Pecos comes from. Use coupon code Slewfoot! But of course, ah! I don't know what it means either. <laughs> it's love at first sight. It's love at first foot. I do have to say <laughs> this short. One of the things that has soured about this short for me is that it relies on a lot of humor of like women ruin your life. Am I right? Well, like yeah, uh, this. It's a little more clever than that. But like a lot of the, you know, song narration around this point is like Pecos Bill had a perfect life, but obviously a woman ruined it. Yeah. And it's like, OK, great. I love this 1940s humor. Of course, the horse, Widowmaker, is sad and jealous of, you know, Bill's 
now he's into Slufutsu and I guess doesn't have enough time to spend with the horse. And Slufutsu is like very, this is a very attractive cartoon. Yeah. She's got this cute little red braids. And uh, he organizes the stars and moon and everything for her. Yeah, they have a, they have this date where he proposes, but it's very, you know, tall taily. <laughs> yes. And then, and they, they end up on some kind of high pillar and it's like, how are we getting down from here? Right. And then there is, I think, Surely, the most prolonged Disney butt joke we have seen. <laughs> it's true. There is a significant amount of business with a bustle. What she wants for her wedding day, she wants two things. Neither one of which is a wedding. <laughs> she wants a bustle, and she wants to ride Widowmaker, I presume, to the church. Can you explain a bustle for anyone who doesn't know what a that is? A bustle is a uh, article of clothing that women used to wear back then. If you've seen the dresses that look like... They have an extremely large badonk. Basically, it's a wire and spring frame that you would wear attached to your backside to make the back of your dress stick out really big. And it is what they were kind of springy and stuff, but they make this one um, extreme, of course, because it's a tall tale. But you get to actually see the bustle in the cartoon so you can kind of get an idea what it is. She gets on Widowmaker and, of course, Widowmaker is very unhappy with the whole situation, so he bucks all over the place, and her bustle is too bouncy. But she is actually able to ride him, which I like. I like that Slewfoot Sue is shown as, you know, a supernatural being of equal power to a a problem Bobbert. (laughs) That that one wasn't good. To Pecos Bill, if not for... Uh, her considerable rear shelf, <laughs> which blasts her into outer space. Right, and Widowmaker's jealousy and being against her. She keeps going higher. When they realize she's bouncing, you know, higher and higher and higher, Bill tries to rope her down, but for the first time he misses because Widowmaker was stepping on the end of the rope and causing him to miss. So Sue ends up bouncing all the way to the moon where she gets stuck. Yes. Widowmaker does get one confirmed kill in this, <laughs> which I i mean, I was surprised that that is just how it ends. Like Widowmaker, whether or not he actually kills Slufutsu, who again is, right. you know, what's a god to a man. Exactly. But he does this bad thing and he wins. And that's yeah. that's the end of it. Bill goes back to the coyotes and he's very sad and he cries at night. And that's why they cry at night. The end. Yep. He howls at the moon at night because that's where his true love is. I actually never imagined it as she goes, gets up to the moon and dies. Though I was seeing several things online are like, where she suffocates. <laughs> when I'm like, um, it doesn't say that in the short. <laughs> I, I'm Again, I'm not saying she, she you know, right. I, I suppose whether, she does die on the moon, possibly of old age. Correct. Because it is, it's said that, you know, Pecos Bill isn't actually supposed to be around by the time we're telling right. this story. The coyotes have just taken up. He left off. Right, because, you know, he's part of their family, and so... But again, Widowmaker, like, lives and <laughs> still gets to be friends with Pecos Bill. Yeah, but they don't do, you know, cool cowboy stuff anymore. They just hang out and be sad all the time. And the moral of this story is nothing. <laughs> exactly. There's no moral to any of this. Nope, nope, but it, that's why the coyotes howl at the moon. So we go briefly back to the live action for a reprise of Blue Shadows on the Trail... Uh, and that is one other ends. thing, by the way. A lot of subsequent versions of this cut out that terrible song, especially the very long beginning part where it's yeah. putting you to sleep. It is very sleepy. So that is another reason probably why it soured for us on this viewing. Yeah. And that's 
That was Mel- Melody Time is over. Yeah. It's now some other time. It's time for sequel spin-offs, remakes, right, and reboots. That is that is the time that it is. Okay, so I'm not going to go through every single re-release of these shorts. There have been a lot. The end. No, so many. A lot of this stuff uh, shows up in the parks, especially Pecos Bill mm-hmm. uh, in Frontierland in Magic Kingdom. Yep. There is the Pecos Bill Tall Tale Inn and Cafe. Yeah. And he and various other characters from the shorts and their accessories are all over this uh, restaurant. Especially, there is a pair of gloves with the inscription, To Billy, All My Love, Slewfoot Sue, in a glass display case. Aww. Uh, in the world of Disney, Jose Carioca appears on the wall specifically from Blame It on the Samba, mm-hmm. version of Jose Carioca. Nice. Jose Carioca and Donald Duck, by the way, would not appear in a feature film. For many years, Donald Duck was not in another full-length movie until the 1980s. Do you know what movie brought him back? Is it Who Framed Roger Rabbit? It is indeed. One of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, And speaking of which, in the queue for Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin, there's a bulletin board. This is at the parks. Which uh, has an audition call for this movie, Melody Time. (laughs) There's a little poster that says, Tunes are invited to bring a two-minute song plus any specialties. Tunes only, no live actors need apply. (laughs) I guess um, they've already got some. (laughs) Uh, And at the uh, All-Star Movies display, there's a script for Melody Time in the parks. Mm -hmm. And in Wonderful World of Animation, there is a scene from Once Upon a Winter Time. I see. And that is the scene that represents Melody Time in that little uh, show. So there, mm-hmm. there's this, again, this one weirdly is like more available and more referenced than yeah. Make Mine Music. And um, at the Golden Horseshoe Review at Disneyland, Slewfoot Sue was the host and Pecos Bill joined her as part of the act. And so even yeah. now, still at the Golden Horseshoe restaurant, there's images of them in the glass. There's a Disney live action movie, so it almost feels like there's a alarm for this one already called Tall Tale. It's not that recent, but it's more, you know, fairly recent. That has Pecos Bill, John Bunyan, and Paul. Wow. Let me start that over. Tall Tale, a movie that has mostly Pecos Bill, but also Paul Bunyan and John Henry as characters who help out a young boy i can't remember if i've seen it but i remember seeing trailers for it it didn't look that great it probably isn't interestingly enough we talked about how that blue shadows on the trail song was so boring it was covered quite a bit back in the day well they taste hadn't been invented yet (laughs) music wasn't invented until the birth of trent Reznor. so of course i I mean yes Bing Crosby covered it, a bunch of other people sang it. It is also included in another movie. Do you know what movie this song is also found in? Nope. It is in the Three Amigos movie. Oh, that's a... Starring Steve Martin. Yes, that's a real movie. There's a scene where they're camping out and the backgrounds look like they're ripped straight out of Pecos Bill. And they sing in this song. Basically, they just stole it. From Melody Time. Good for them. <laughs> I did know though about something else weird. This is my this is my ending piece. Here's your weird thing. Here's okay. my weird thing. 
when I was watching the little toot short, which as I said, I didn't think I had seen before. Yeah. It like reminded me so hard of Theodore Tugboat. Do you know about Theodore Tugboat? I don't think so. Theodore Tugboat originally uh, started as a show called Tugs. Okay. And it is Thomas the Tank Engine, but with boats. Like literally it's the same creators, same style, uh, created by Robert D. Cardona and David Mitten. Mm -hmm. And uh, although, you know, that is not a Disney show. Correct. Robert Cardona has said specifically that it was inspired by Little Toot. And the the look (laughs) of the boats and the idea of the tugboats are inspired by Little Toot. So in a way, you know, it is a Little Toot TV show. Yeah. And this was definitely something I watched, you know, a a couple times as a kid. It wasn't on regular rotation, but like at around the age I might have watched Thomas the Tank Engine. I was also at least aware of Theodore Tugboat, (laughs) who uh, I don't think ever, you know, led to any massive tragedies. As, as unlike <laughs> Little Toot, so it's not a it's not a very close adaptation. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's all. I don't have too much to say about it. Like, mm-hmm. it's a tugboat, right? It's the premise is what if tugboats had human faces and gotten to mild British situations? But it is also kind of interesting thinking about it. The fact that obviously those shows the characters don't talk. There's a narrator who talks over them, uh-huh. and that is how most of the shorts in this, including Little Toot, are structured. That's true. So that's almost something. Yeah, there you go. That's all I have for spinoffs, sequels, remakes, rides, and reboots. Again, this this none of these package movies had much of a cultural impact. Yeah. Um, I mean, not as a as the whole. Johnny Appleseed apparently had quite a bit of cultural impact yes. on its own. <laughs> yes, uh spin-offs uh Johnny Appleseed is a very famous story now and there's a lot of like kids books about Johnny Appleseed that right. I had to read. <laughs> I don't feel like I ever cared that much about Johnny Appleseed. As a child. Mm-hmm. Unlike some of the Make My Music stuff where I was like, oh, you know, Casey at the Bad is a poem I loved. Yeah. Johnny Appleseed is just a guy who likes apples. <laughs> we don't review these movies on numerical scale. We don't rate these movies. Sorry. You said review. We don't rate these movies on a numeric... Okay, let me start all over. Yep. We don't rate these movies on a numerical scale. One out of ten, by the way. <laughs> but we instead ask each other two questions. The first of which is, would you recommend this? I obviously would not. But mom, you you like things more than I do. <laughs> you are a happier person. I'm a liker of things. You are more centered. Would you recommend Melody Time? I don't think I really would. Some of the segments are fun. But overall, I think it's just too dated now to really recommend Obviously, for your Disney completionist, yeah, go for it. I'm glad to have seen the whole thing together. I can check that off, right? Right. (laughs) But I don't really think I would recommend it overall. I, As I said, I obviously don't. I've been talking about this whole time. It's a boring slog with nothing in it that's really worth your time, in my opinion. Some of it is okay. Mm -hmm. There's the, The magic isn't here. It's a totally right. soulless product. In in that way, it does kind of herald the worst of modern Disney. A lot mm. of our complaints with the Delarms, where it's like, you just shot this out to make a profit. Mm. I mean, in this case, yeah. you know, it's even lazier than that and working with far fewer resources. But it's still like, you know what? That's just, I don't really think there's any artistic merit to Melody Time. Having said that, would you show this to a child? I think it would be fine to show it to a child, mostly. I mean, there's some 
bad bits as again as we talked about in Pecos Bill especially. But overall, I think you pop it on for a kid, they're not going to mind. <laughs> yeah. But they might not actually be too, too c- captured by it either. It's the sort of thing you could have, like, they're do- they're playing in the room with it on, right? Yeah, no I, big deal. I, I think a child, especially a modern child's attention, is going to wander quick. Definitely. And did I show this to you guys? Not as a whole, mainly, be- I don't think, okay? I don't think so. I've been actually trying to remember. I don't know. If we did... I have completely forgotten it. This movie is so forgettable, unfortunately. Um, So I don't know if I've ever seen the whole thing at one go. I don't know if I ever showed you the whole thing. No, at least we've seen parts of it, Right. right? It's just not memorable enough. Even when I was kind of taking notes before we did this podcast, I kept getting the songs from make my music or three caballeros stuck in my head instead of the songs from this movie absolutely (laughs) most the time absolutely i had to do the lard song because it's the only one that made any impression on me like i couldn't sing (laughs) any of the others i wouldn't show this to a child i in terms of appropriateness it's fine if we're framing the question that way like again unless you're a weirdo about cigars and like i don't know i watched a ton of movies with cigars as a kid including many of these disney movies and they never made me want to smoke right because a i just don't think that's how it works but b more importantly like i had parents who you know didn't just let we just didn't let tv raise me you know, don't shirk yeah, your parental yeah. duties, I guess. is I don't know. The, the point is, in terms of appropriateness, but why would you show this to a kid? There's like good movies. Right. I'm not going to go out of my way to get a hold of it. I wouldn't show this movie to anyone. You might accidentally have to see it at the same time. <laughs> exactly. And I, I do think a child, <laughs> I mean, I as an adult was very bored. I think a child will get bored even more quickly but like make my music the shorts are so much shorter it has so much life and energy Mm -hmm. it's a much better thing to show a child so next week we're back again somehow we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna recover from the loss of morale if you've liked the show please come back next time for the adventures of ichabod and mr toad the last of the wartime era, we just Yay! have to do one more. Yep. And then we can watch a movie with a plot and characters. Yep. What do you think of that movie, Mom? What do you think of Ichabod and Mr. Toad? I can't actually remember if I have seen it as one unit before. I was actually trying to remember if I have. I guess we'll see when we watch it. I know I have seen both segments separate, but I can't remember if I've ever seen the whole thing. So I'm excited to find out. I am very sure that I have never seen this movie or either of the shorts on it. And I'll explain really? wh- I'll explain why I am so sure of that being the case next week. But I have to say I'm getting worried now. Because again, <laughs> all of, like with Melody Time, we were looking ahead and we were like, oh, this will probably be good. Neither of us remembers Ichabod and Mr. Toad. It's one that should be good. I would like to be able to say that I think you'll enjoy them better. <laughs> But I didn't remember Pecos Bill very well. (laughs) This is the thing. I'm really worried it's going to be bad again. But if nothing else, come back next week. We'll find out together whether or not Ichabod Mr. Toad is good. After that, we get into the Silver Age, which is going to be, oh, just just an oasis in the desert. The Silver (laughs) Era. We're going to be so happy. So many lovely movies in the silver era. I can't We're going to like them even better than we ever did before, <laughs> just because we got out of the shorts finally. That's all coming up next on Me, Mom, and the Mouse. Until then, I'm me. I'm Mom. Promo code Mouse.